Ireland, so I won the national. But holding the flowers up, there was quite a few boos in the crowd. What can you say? I mean, it was probably, yeah, they didn't like the colour of my skin. I'm Anne Dibbon. And I'm Julie Tattersall. I'm Bev Evans, and this is Unexpected Turns. Today, we're delighted to have on the show Maurice Burton, Britain's first black champion. Yet why, despite being such a huge talent, did he end up racing abroad? Hi there, Maurice. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Beverly. Hi, Maurice. It's lovely to meet you. How are you tonight? I'm okay. I, I forgot all about it, but I'm ready to go now. <laughs> You're ready to go. You had a busy day? Yeah, every day's a busy day. I was probably drifting off to sleep. That I'm ready to go. Oh, good. I've been very excited to have you on here because it seems ages. And in fact, Maurice, look at this. When I was putting my glass of water out, I've got my Pickwick oh. Club placemat underneath it. <laughs> I've got so many memories of you. I was talking to Beverly. Oh, my very first memory when you all rocked up to that race at Hearn Hill, there you were. All the boys arrived on their bikes and then 10 minutes later, Maurice, you arrived in your Rolls Royce. And that's that was my first memory of meeting you and Jermaine and the boys. Oh, wow. <laughs> when was that? The Nationals. And of course, Jermaine and Teo rode off the front and won. OK. Anyway, a long time ago. Yeah. So there's masses to talk about with you. Yeah. And if we just talk about kind of the first half of your life, okay. is that all right? Yeah. Could I get myself a little glass of wine with your mind? Oh, no, definitely. <laughs> you get wine. You just give me a... Sounds good to me. We can start with cheers then. Cheers, Maurice. Cheers. Cheers. Have a little sip. <laughs> That's exactly the way to start um, our show. Absolutely. Maurice, I'm going to take you right back to the very beginning. I wonder, could you... Speak a little bit about your family background and how you got into cycling. Um, my family background, my mum was um, from London, English, and my dad, he came from Jamaica. He came over here in 1948 and he met my mum at work. They got married. and I was What did your mum do, Maurice? My mum was a seamstress and my dad... It was a tailor's presser, and they worked in in the West End, in the uh, oh, you know wow. making garments. And yeah, my dad my dad worked in a, in some quite in some fashion places. You know, the last place he worked, I think, was for a woman called Jean Muir. Uh, oh gosh, yeah. He used to um prepare garments for for Mrs. Thatcher, I think Diana, that sort of thing. Because wow. he, he used to sometimes bring home the newspaper and there'd be a picture with them with a garment that he'd, um, that he'd prepared, you know? And yeah, so he was quite proud of what he did. And I mean, came here, put it like this, by the time I was two, my dad got his first property. He, he, he had, at one point, he had three properties that he, you know, and we used to, when I was young, we used to, We'd, we'd have like, these would be big houses, three-story houses, and and, um, and we'd live in the ground floor, and the, he'd rent the upper floors out. He'd rent them all out. And that's how, wow. that's how we managed to pay the mortgage on these properties. And um, cool. so that's that's what he used to do. Yeah, I did the same as well later on, you know, with the shop. 
you know, because I've got flats upstairs at the shop. I rented those flats out. That's how I paid my mortgage on the shop. So you learned from your dad? Yeah, yeah. But none of your family were cyclists? No. So how did you come into cycling? Well, I don't know. I don't think my dad really was too keen on bikes at all, to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, I got a brother, got a half-brother who was 10, he's 10 years older than me. And he, he came over from Jamaica when I was two. And right. um, I think that, that what happened, he borrowed somebody's bike and somehow he must have smashed it up. And the parents came to my dad and my dad had to pay for the bike. And okay. um, all I know is, is that my brother said one day, because we lived in Peckham near a place called, um, there was a road there, Market Schumann Road. Anyway, one day my brother had this bike. It wasn't his. He just borrowed it. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. But all I know is, is that he was, he was riding this bike down the road and he saw my dad and he just got off the bike and dropped the bike and ran. He just left it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just left the bike. But I used to ask my dad when I was about 10 or 11 if I could have a bike. It took quite a bit of um, courage, you know, to speak to my dad, to say, Dad, could I, you know. Um, my father was very much, um, maybe put it like this, children should be heard and not seen and not heard, you see? Oh, yeah. 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 And um, I, I could never talk back to my parents or my, especially my dad. And for me to come to him and ask him for a bike, I had to, yeah, it wasn't a sort of thing I had to just, I couldn't, and if he said no, I couldn't come back to him and say, well, why not? Why can't I, have, you know, no, that's not the sort of thing that I could do. No. Very strict. I tried various ways to get the bike, you know. I wanted to do a paper round, but he, he, that, it, I didn't like the idea of that. To be honest with you, what happened is that I, I was coming back. We used to go swimming with the school. Yeah. And we used to go to the local swimming bars and they took us there in the lunch, you see? And when we were passing this place, I saw this bike in a front garden. And so after school, I went round there and um, I knocked on the door and this bike had been in an accident. It was a bit smashed up. Yeah. And... Um, I came to some sort of arrangement with the lady, and then in the long and the short, I, I got the bike. Mm -hmm. And I took the bike home, and I hid it in the shed. Then I got some paint, painted it, blue paint. Nice. One day, my dad's come home from work, and he saw this bike, and he, his bike is there. I said, oh, it's not my dad. I only borrowed it. I was 12, you see, I was 12 years old. And that, and the first time I got that bike, the first day, I, I don't think, it was probably in the Easter holiday, and I never, 1968, and um, I think I rode it pretty much all day. Wow. But, yeah, riding the bike, what I noticed was very few people, pretty much no one of my age anyway, that could get the better of me on a bike. Mm. And um, from the very beginning... It was always my intention to be a professional rider from the age of 12. The only thing is, you see, I didn't know how or what to do. I didn't know how to go about that because there's nobody that I knew that was ever involved with cycling. No. See? And so 
it was when I was coming up to 15, so two years later, that the school, with the school, we used to go to, we could go to Hearn Hill Velodrome. That was um, one of the um, options that you had at that stage. Right. You see, we could choose, you know, because we used to have a whole afternoon once a week for, for sports. As you got older, there was other options. Like before I did cycling, I could do water polo. I did water polo at Crystal Palace, see? Yeah. But then by the time I was coming up to 15, I could go to to Hearn Hill. And so I went to Hearn Hill with the school. The first day, it was on a Monday we used to go, Monday afternoons. So the first Monday, we couldn't go on the track the first day. They took us up in the grandstand and we sat there. What bikes did you use for that then? Hearn Hill? Yes. They still got the bikes there now. Um, The person who was in charge of it all was a man called Bill Dodds. Right. Bill started the whole thing there. He started the VCL club as well. And it was was involved with what was at the time the ILEA, the Inner London Education Authority. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was bikes up there that were that were supplied by a local shop. Young Cycles supplied the bikes. They were still track bikes. They had steel cranks with cotter pins in it. Yeah, but they had sprint wheels, alloy wheels, sprint wheels with with tubs that were glued on. You see, so they were proper. They were like they were a basic race bike. Nice. You see, mm. and that's what they had at Hearn Hill. Different sized bikes. So so those were the bikes. But the first time we didn't get to ride the bikes, we had to go up in the grandstand and they gave us a talk. And Bill was the man in charge there. And they had also they had um some coaches there. Two of them they were they were former professional riders. There was Bob Addy, who rode for Holsworth. Oh yes. He rode in the Olympics and things like that. Mm. And there was the Mm. other one was a guy called John Clary. And John Clary rode in the tour. He was a Lantern Rouge in the tour. I think when Simpson died, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But he was Lantern Rouge in the tour. And there was one other guy, Mike Armstrong, who was a track rider in his younger days. So these were, they were the coaches apart from Bill. Yeah. And so but what I remember from the talk, the words you said was, from here, you can go to the Olympic Games, see? Yeah. And so at that point, I, I realised, I thought, you know, this is the place that I need to be. Mm. So the next week, we were allowed on the track, and um, they show us how to ride around. We were never allowed to put our hands on the top of the handlebars. We always had to use um, our hands on the drop of the handlebars, you see, because mm. and the coach would would they would shout at us or something, hands on the drops or something like that, you know, that's what it was. Yeah. Anyway, we had a little race the first time, and I'll tell you the truth, I didn't I didn't win that race, you know. I was second. I nearly I I only just what happened was I went too early. I went with over a lap to go, and this one guy just barely beat me but it was the last time anyone ever beat me wow wow yeah yeah because that was in september 1970 and then after that i joined the club and we used to go to a school a local school thomas colton school we used to do circuit training in the winter you know we went to wales as well snowdonia national park believe it or not i went up there last week 
as well, the same. Oh, wow. And if you look on my Facebook, there was a, a comment from, from that man, one of the coaches, Bob Addy, because I went up there twice. We went up there in 1971, and then we went up there in 1973 as well with the same coach. And he said, he reminded me, he said, do you remember we went up there and it was rained all day? Okay. Anyway, we went to Wales. 1971 i remember going up there i didn't even have um i had the same bike this is the same on the road it was the same bike that i that i got out the front out garden, the garden that's, yeah wow that's the same bike that i was riding and i didn't have alloy wheels i had steel wheels on this bike gosh that's heavy um i got back from wales and then um i got the local bike shop ken bird built some alloy wheels for me sprint wheels and so Come Easter, I think it was, um, I rode my first race. This is with the schoolboys, which was, that's what it was. So that was between 14 to 16 year old. Yeah. And so did your dad know now at 16 that you were riding? Bikes? No, no he, he knew I was riding, but they never, no. My my parents, I think um, I was probably a British champion before they ever saw me ride a bike. Really? Yeah, I just, oh, gosh. I just went, well, it's no problem to me. I just went and I just did it, you know. I just went there and did it. And I rode at Crystal Palace the first time. It was called the Brian Robinson Grand Prix. I met Brian Robinson about um, three years ago. And I said to him, I said, you, you know, the first race I rode was named after you. <laughs> anyway, wow. yeah, the Brian Robinson Grand Prix. So I came fifth in the first race I ever rode. I was fifth. That was the Sunday. And then the Tuesday after that, the, the next race I rode, I came second. And then at Hearn Hill, they had the track league Monday comp. And um, I don't think I ever lost a race that, that, that first year. I never lost a race. or pretty Well, I ended up with twice the points of the second rider. It was points. You get points for yeah. each race. And I won with 83 points against 42 points the second rider had. Oh. Because of the situation... I didn't have no one to take me to all over the place, the different race. But I, I only raced, I raced at Hearn Hill and Crystal Palace. And then sometimes, I, I think once or twice, I went to Paddington, which meant I had to go across London mm. to get there. And that was about what I did the first year. But I was, I won, I won all the championships in the club. And um, there was one or two riders that uh, their nose was a bit out when I joined when I came along because they were they were the you know somebody and then I this young fella came along yeah so that was my first year as a schoolboy and then the next year I was junior which I turned sixteen in October you see October seventy one mm. then I rode with the juniors. You see, so then with the juniors, you, you rode with juniors, but also pretty much with some of the, on the track, they raced with adults as well. Mm. I went to the national, I rode the junior sprint championship at Leicester. I'd never ridden on a steep track before, but the bike I had was the same bike on the track, was one of the council bikes from Hearn Hill. That's what I took up there. But this was a bike with steel cranks. I mean, it... <laughs> Anyway, I came fourth wow. in that in that race. In that, I never raced in, in the road race and that because I yeah I didn't mean to get to these events wasn't so easy for me. So how did you get to Leicester? How did I get to Leicester? I think what happens 
Yeah, what happened was I got a lift with Heffernan. You know, you ever heard of that guy, Steve Heffernan? Yes, vaguely. Yeah, I think I got a lift with Heffernan up there. That's what happened. Mm. He's, he's a little bit older than me. He wasn't racing against me at that point in that, you know, but I went up with Heffernan and I came forth. Good for you. And so did that open doors for you then? Not necessarily, no, not really. I was going in the right direction. I won, I think I won the division on the road. I rode on the road in the division championships, South East London division, that is. Mm -hmm. I think this fellow called Dave Pittman rode away because he was a good climber. He rode away, but I won the sprint. <laughs> yeah. He won, he won the race, but I won the sprint. And then on, on the track, I won the division championships in the sprint. And I don't, and I, I think I rode at some point, I rode these ESCA, English School Cycling Association. Yeah. I won in that as well. But I'd still mostly rode locally. But then the next year was 1973. And that's the year when I second time I went to Wales. And that year was a bit more serious for me. I, right. I rode the Good Friday meeting, I rode the White Hope Sprint. And... The only thing what happened is that it was only afterwards that I realised that because I had these chain rings, but they were very worn. By this time, by, sorry, by that time, by the time 1973, I got a bike from, a, from the same people who supplied the bikes at Herne Hill. Young Cycles gave me a bike, a track bike. All right. So I had a proper track bike now. <laughs> I had these chain rings and they were they were quite worn and I thought I had a 48 chain ring on you see in the White Hope Sprint but I was pinning the gear around so fast but anyway come the final there's a picture somewhere and we were all in a line and I lost the final by about half a wheel but it actually ended up that I had 40, I had an 82 inch gear on I had something like 8 46 15 oh gosh and it was only afterwards that I realised I had the wrong gear on, you see. But never mind. So I lost. I didn't win the White House Sprint. But after that, they had a selection um, at Leicester. You could turn up. Anybody, well, I don't know if anybody, but I put my name forward because of that, that year was, what that was the first um, Junior World Championships. Oh, right. And so I went up to Leicester and I went up on the train and... Um, I walked from the train station to the track with my bike and my wheels. Cool. And Norman Shield was the national coach. I don't know if you heard of that man. No. Well, Norman Shield was world pursuit champion in 1955, the year I was born. Norman was world pursuit right. champion. And he was the national coach. He was one of the few. I think they had him and then they had two or three people in the office in Park present in London, and that was the the total amount of people on the payroll for British for the BCF at the time. Much smaller. Anyway, I went up there and I got my bike together and got on the track. And um, what happens is that his eyes looked like his his eyes popped out of his head. <laughs> oh, wow! And from that point, I was in the squad straight away. You see. And um, nice. they had a training week at Lillyshaw. Have you heard of that? Lillyshaw. It was, it's in Shropshire. It's the National Training Centre. Oh, right. I remember the school was, the school was quite proud as well of it because I the Parents Teacher Association 
gave me ten pounds towards to you know to help out. But ten pounds was, was quite a bit in those days, you know, because yeah, it was because I remember my first job when I left school was only nine pound fifty a week. Mm. So ten pounds was a reasonable amount of money. So anyway, they gave me that money and I went to the week at Lillyshaw. I mentioned to someone today about that week because there was the British team and there was the Irish team was there as well. And the Irish team, there was a young fella and he, he was quite a little, They were, he, was, he, he was a bit, you know, he was a bit of a comedian and his name was Sean Kelly. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. And that's the first time I came, came across Sean that when we were 17 years old, both the same age. Wow. Yeah, so we had to ride on the road and we rode we rode on the road near it's near Shropshire, Lillyshaw. And the near yeah. the nearest track was Wolverhampton, Aldersley Stadium. And we, we used to go on the track in the morning and then on the road in the afternoon. Mm. Anyway, one afternoon we rode on the road and what happened? It was about sixty miles we had to do. That's a long way. And on the way back, this lorry went past us you know so i jumped on it and got behind this truck you know, <laughs> and left the rest of them the order all because the, it weren't just the track riders it was the road riders and the track riders yeah yeah and so i met a lot of them i remember norman shield was was standing at the on this it was a long road and when you go into the gates at this place lily shaw so as i went up the gate there was nobody else with me you see i was on my own going up <laughs> But he didn't know. I didn't tell him that I jumped, got got behind a truck. No. <laughs> but Norman, Norman took to me. You know, he was he was a kind, he was a good man, and he took to me, and he gave me my first pair of trainers. Norman did Adidas trainers because I didn't have things like trainers and all that. You see. No. From there, I got selection. I went to the junior championships at Munich. Oh gosh. Yeah. So. I went there and I rode two events. One was the sprint and one was the points race. And I won't mention the mechanic. I'm not going to say who it is at this stage. But what happened was that I had a brand new chain ring this time to go with. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Because I needed a, a bigger gear to ride at Munich because it was the Olympic track that from 1972. Yeah. Olympics. It was quite a fast track compared with what I was used to. But what happened was that the chain was a new chain ring, but the chain wasn't, and it, and it was it didn't mesh, and it was making a hell of a noise, racket. You could hear it all around the stadium. And so what the mechanic did, he got a file and started to file the teeth on the chain ring. Um, when the truth is, what he should have done Knowing what I know now, he's just put a new chain on it mm. and a new sprocket, but they didn't. And so in the sprint, the first thing that happened was I was riding against this Russian who didn't look like a boy. He looked like a man. Mm. Anyway, it didn't work out too well. And that's the truth. With all the noise coming out anyway, I didn't do too well in that. But come the points race, I got in the final in the points race. On the same bike? Yeah, I don't know what they did with the chain ring. I don't, I must, they must have sort of, maybe they changed or found out something. But by then, they managed, this was later, maybe a day or two later. Oh, they fixed it. 
maybe somehow they fixed it. I can't remember that. But what I remember, the wheels that I had, because we had to supply everything. The wheels were from one of the coaches at Hearn Hill. As I said, his name was Mike Armstrong. He'd ridden in um, amateur six days in East Germany and things like that when he was younger. So I was in the final on these wheels that I got from the coach at Hearn Hill. Yeah. And I got out of the saddle in uh, the race for the first sprint, I'm not sure. But I got out of the saddle and the tyres came off the rim. Oh, God. They tried to say that the wheels weren't prepared properly. Now, I don't know, but in the time when your son was riding, could you imagine that British Cycling had a mechanic who then turned around? I mean, how can you come to a, a boy of 17 years old and tell him that the wheels weren't prepared properly. At the end of the day, isn't that his job, to make sure the wheels are right? The mechanic, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was the outcome with my experience. You weren't injured, though. You stayed upright. No, I didn't. Well, at those days, and from time to time, I did have used to I've had a few falls on the bike. And at that point, the trouble with me is, you see, and maybe that's another reason my dad didn't want me to ride, is that I haven't got any fear. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That was your first trip abroad to Munich with Hefner. It was my first trip abroad. Yeah, it was my first time on an aeroplane. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, I came back from that and I won the, I won the national championship, the, the sprint at Leicester, really? junior sprint championship. I won Congratulations. that. Actually, thinking about it, the year before, 1972, yeah, I, I forgot about that. I rode in the nationals. I rode in a senior national in 1972 as well. Mm-hmm. I forgot about this. Paddington, when Hef won the national championship, that's the first time they selected me, even though I was a junior. I don't I was only 16, but they put me in that race. I don't think I did anything great in it, but I was in it. Good. But one thing I remember... In that year, 72, this is the year before I'm back now to 72. After the Olympic Games, I was in a 20K race and it was me. I was side by side with Hef going to the line. This was when I was 16, sprinting for the line. And all of a sudden, somebody went went whoosh like that over both of us, me and Hef. And as I said, he's about three years older than me and he was British champion at the time. 20k and he looked at me and I looked at him and we thought who the hell is that and you, who it was was it's and I tell you this now it's the only rider that I don't think I've ever got the better of all the way through and his name was Danny Clark have you heard of Danny Clark no I haven't no well Danny Clark he's Australian so what was he doing in your national champions Danny he won the silver at the Olympic Games at Munich in the, in the kilo. And he was on his way back, passing through, and he rode in this race. And you know what? I saw this man not too long ago at, in Lanzarote in the winter. We've, we had a chat with this guy. Not Danny, just a, somebody who happened to be in the race when, when at this same race. He was in oh, the race. Yeah. And he was telling me, he said that Danny was behind him and Danny was shouting to him, up, up, and he didn't quite get it. And then Danny came out with some words that I can't really use on the on this thing with you, ladies. <laughs> he said, get the, 
out the way sort of thing. And anyway, and then he moved out and Danny went through and that's when he passed this guy and caught us and went past us and won the race. Amazing. Danny was a six-day rider like me. Yeah. In Belgium. He lived in Belgium and he won. Tony Doyle, you heard of Tony, haven't I've you? Heard most of, Tony, of, yeah. most of the races he run, he won were with Danny, with Clark. All right. Going back, you'd been in the national championships and you'd gone abroad to Munich and you were now part of the team, the British. Kind of, yeah. It wasn't quite like it is now, you know, nothing like that. But yeah, I was British champion sprint, junior sprint. 73 this was, was it, Maurice? In 1973, I won yeah. the first British title that I won. And then Norman Shue was still the national coach and he had made a decision that whoever won that, that race would go to the Commonwealth Games in 1974, early 70s. Ah, right. In New Zealand, which is what happened to me. Only problem was, I say problem because for me it was, I think, was that Norman was no longer the British coach, was no longer national coach by the time we went to the Commonwealth Games. He had a falling out. I don't know exactly what happened, but I think I know he went to Canada and I think he had a nervous breakdown because of the whole thing. But they had a new coach whose name was Tom Pinnington and he was very good with Phil Griffiths. I think he was mates with Phil, but he was from Liverpool. But he didn't like me at all. It was no, no, he didn't, yeah. (laughs) Not to say. Why didn't he like you? Was there a reason or? Um, I don't really want to, um, you know, I can only just tell you that he he just didn't like me. No. You think it was prejudice or? You know, I I don't know really, Anne, but. um, Difficult. Well, let me explain a little bit anyway. So the Commonwealth Games, I rode in the sprint, which, you know, later on, I realised that, that although I could sprint, I could sprint, but I, I found that, say, for example, the best sprinters in the world in an actual pure sprint, they could get the better of me. But if the race was, say, 10 kilometres or 20 kilometres, that was different. I could get the better of them. So it was me coming to terms with the fact that maybe I'm not going to be just a pure sprinter. I'm going to be better at a little bit longer distance, mm. you know? Yeah. Because the coach that I had, Bill Dodds, he said to me, when you go to the games, he said, try to see if you can get a ride in the 10 mile. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't. Because it was the likes of Ian Hallam, Mick Bennett, Willie Moore, mm. Hef and all them. I, I couldn't, I was just turned 18. I couldn't, you know, anyway. You were young. But what happened Later that year, well, Australian rider John Nicholson won the sprint anyway. And John came back to, he came to Europe after the New Zealand. And he took me under his wing a little bit. And he taught me, that man taught me to drive. Nico travelled around with him. I think, you know, we're going into 1974 now, aren't we? Yeah. 74, yeah. Yeah, so I told you that 73, I rode the White Hope Sprint, but I had the wrong gear. So 1974, the promoter at Heron Hill that year was a man called Ron Webb. I don't know if you've heard of Ron Webb. Ron, I've heard of Ron. Ron Webb built the Olympic velodrome and so forth. Well, Ron said to me, even though you're an international rider now, 
I still, you, you haven't won that race. You need to win that race. So he put me in the race and I duly won the race. I won the Whitehouse Sprint. There was a few international race. So the, the Italians were there and the Italian coach was there too. Guido Costa was there and he saw this. Anyway, later that year, I was traveling with Nico. With, we called him Nico, John Nicholson, world sprint champion he was. Uh-huh. And I was traveling with him and we were in Milan. And it was the Milan Grand Prix and it, and it was just tight. It finished. The Grand Prix of Milan was on a track called the Vigorelli Velodrome in Milan. Yeah. It's still there. It's still there. And at the time, at the, time the Giro, the Tour of Italy finished on the track that day. Yeah. And the day, the day before, I wasn't in the race as such. And then Guido Costa saw me with Nico and he recognised me from London and they put me, he put me in the race. Oh, wow. He put me, put me up in the hotel and everything like that. I didn't do so great. I was, I, I was up against... Moron on the first round and he beat me. But still, it was an experience. Yeah, so that was 1974. Yeah, so then I travelled with Nico and I, I was working as well at the time. I was an apprentice electrician, but I used to manage to get a lot of time off for training and things like that. Mm. And come to the national championships now, again, the sprint, I came up against, you heard of Dave LeGrise, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, he, he was a little bit intimidated. And so I didn't want to come <laughs> off, really. Anyway, the long and the short of it is I held myself back a little bit for the 20K race because all the, all the championships were on one week at Leicester. So I'd be, I came home and I went back up there on the train to ride this 20K race. And the night before, I couldn't get anywhere to stay, really. So I slept in the table tennis room at Leicester. There was a table tennis on some cushions and I got up and, um, uh, yeah, it was on grandstand. The race was on, on the BBC and I got in the break. There was me and there was Heffern and then Murray Hall. I can't remember. I think Mick Bennett was there too in the break. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I put three lengths or four lengths into him in the straight, right into the straight and won the race. Good. And the men that I beat that day, they were, there was Heff who was gold medalist at the Commonwealth Games, and Murray Hall, who was Australian, was silver medalist at the Commonwealth Games, same distance. Wow. And I beat, I beat Murray Hall about two weeks before to win the London 20K as well. I won the London 20K and beat him, and then two weeks later, I won the national. But holding the flowers up, there was quite a few boos in the crowd, actually, at Leicester when I won the race. And why was that? I didn't worry me too much. Well, Hef wasn't happy as well. He had a go. He sat with something, I think, and the people, he got reprimanded by the officials for it. You know? Sorry, what did Hef do? I missed that. I don't think he was happy about the fact that they were booing. No. Even though that I'd be, you know? Um, there was people that were booing. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. and But I... I <laughs> Well, what can you say? I mean, it was probably, yeah, they didn't like the colour of my skin. No. It didn't worry me too much. Oh. I had a smile yeah. on my face, even though they were booing. Well, you'd won. You deserved to. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it was the best the comment in Cycling Weekly was that somehow they, they kind of made it as if I... 
I was lucky or something to win that race. All right. Mm. See? Yeah. But then when you look, I did beat the gold and silver medalist at the Games, and I beat the silver medalist a week, two weeks before to win the London yeah. Championship. But in spite of winning these races and things like that, you know, I mean, there was other races that I won as well, which, you know, I'm not going to go into detail now, but 74, 75, I wasn't exactly in the squad, put it that way, right. in the British cycling squad. And um, I was hoping, I was looking towards the Olympics in 76. Of course you were. I've just mentioned 75 now a little bit, what happened at the national championships again, so a year later now. We're coming into the same race, the 20K, where I was the de defending champion. And um, believe it or not, the same Heffernan was actually boxing me in. <laughs> I don't know if he was working for Hallam or Bennett. I don't know, but he was boxing me in. And I had to push him out of the way and get through, but it was late. I was coming around a whole lot of him late. And then a rider came up and he's pedal went in my wheel and I crashed oh. I crashed going into the last lap into on the coming into the as I was coming past oh. anyway so I didn't finish the race I never finished the race I crashed and then what happened the officials decided they decided to disqualify me why you well what got me at the time and what still gets me now was what's the point why would you want to disqualify somebody who didn't even finish the race? Makes no sense. It was as if to me that I was obviously down, a little bit down. And so they, they, I was down and they just wanted to put that little bit of an extra boot in. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it didn't make no difference. It, it just showed me where I stood with these people. Gosh. See? Yeah. I was in the Archer, I, went, I left the BC, I was in the Archer Club at that, that year with the same Hef and, and the knees guys. We won the team pursuit, Good. broke the British record. That was my third championship that I won. We won that same 75 at Leicester. We, we won the team pursuit. Right. And then I rode with Hef in the Madison, was 80K, and me and him were second to Hallam and Bennett. Right. And after that, I forgot to mention as well before, I have to step back a little bit now. See, because this is a long time ago, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to step back a little bit to the winter of 74, 75. So I was British champion, 20, 20K. Yeah. And um, what happened was I got, a, I got a personal invitation from the federations in Trinidad and Barbados to ride in February, March, 1975, in the West Indies, all expenses paid. Oh, what an opportunity. And I had this invitation and it came via the Federation because they didn't know my address. And I being a young guy, I thought that they knew the Federation. So what happened was, was that you had to go to Blackpool was the prize presentation for the, for the British Cycling, British BCF when you, you know, to collect your trophy. Mm -hmm. So I went there in, this was December 75. I went there to the, to Blackpool. All the, the expense was paid, you know, and I went there and, um, and then I happened to mention to some officials that I was at this invitation to go to Trinidad and Barbados. Yeah. And, um, and they said to me, well, they said, you know, you haven't been selected by the, 
racing committee. So you won't be able to wear a Great Britain jersey. Yeah, well, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world to me because there was no way I was going to turn down a trip to the West Indies in, in February. No. So, you like your son. So, what happened was, I thought, well, now how am I going to get myself in shape to be able to make a good impression in February or March? You see, so what happened was an Australian fellow who was over here at the time who was friends with, well, it was an Australian that won the Duke, that won the senior sprint in 1974. It's the last. Australian to, to do that because they stopped him doing that after that. His name was mm-hmm. Malcolm Hill. He beat Jeff Cook, you see. All right. Yeah, because Jeff always came second to, to a guy called Ernie Crutchlow. Ernie Crutchlow retired, and so Jeff thought he was going to win. And then Malcolm Hill came along and he beat him. And Jeff's father was on the racing committee, and they stopped Australians coming in to ride the British world, well, Commonwealth riders, I should say. Because before that, Commonwealth riders were able to ride in the British Championships. So anyway, Malcolm Hill won the sprint. And a friend of his who travelled with him, a guy called Peter Verlistone, he is already a pro. And he wanted to try his luck. He wanted to come into the six-day races in, in Europe, you see. Mm-hmm. And he, I heard he was going to Belgium in the winter. And so I went to Pete and I said, could, could I come with him to Belgium? And so that's what happened. I went me and I went with him to Belgium and we left Christmas Eve. This is Christmas Eve. This is Christmas 1974. 74. Yeah. So I was 20k champion at the time, yeah. And the first time I went to Belgium with um Pete. This was your first experience of six days. And six day was huge then, wasn't it? Well, this was the sixth day in Ghent had already taken place in November. So this was in, in December. But in those days, there was races every weekend in Ghent. And the day we got there, Christmas Day is a big meeting in Ghent in those days, the Christmas Day meeting. And so we watched the race, and then we had to try to find somewhere to, to live. We went to the track. Somebody in the track found us a place in, in what they used to call, it was called the butcher's shop. But he wasn't a butcher anymore. He used to collect newspaper. That's where I stayed, in the butcher's shop. Oh, right. And then I rode again the first time. A few days later, after Christmas, there was the Saturday race in Ghent, and it was a devil take the hindmost elimination. Right, yeah. And I went underneath and come up. I got disqualified. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the man in charge of everything in Ghent, in the Ghent Sport Palace at the time, was a man called Oscar Damas. And Oscar... He was, you know, there's certain people along the way who took a liking to me. And Oscar was one of them. Yeah. He took a liking to me. And he'd been the Belgian coach for many years. I mean, Merck, Sir Q, all these people, all under how many sick world champions and people he'd helped. Anyway, he took me under his wing. And um, it went quite well for me in Ghent. I rode in Ghent, I rode in Rotterdam, and I rode in Antwerp some races and things like that. And what Oscar said, he wanted me to come back the next winter to ride in the amateur sixth day, mm-hmm. the Ghent sixth day. And so what he did, the last race they had in Ghent was February, and this was before I went off to Trinidad and Barbados. 
So the last race is called the Night of Vedetta, and it's the Night of the Stars. And they had two races for amateurs that day. And before the race, two days before, Oscar said to me, I went to see Oscar, and he said to me, I'm going to give you a cadeau. Do you know what the cadeau is? A gift. Right. He said, I'm going to give you a cadeau. And so what happened, what Oscar did, he put all the good riders in one race and put me in the other race. <laughs> <laughs> and so that it, I, I've got a picture somewhere. I, I've got a picture when I won the race I've got with the flowers. Oh, wow. That was my parting race from, from Ghent. So I left from Ghent, went back to the UK went to Trinidad and Barbados. I won a couple of races over there. One race that I won was I beat um, one one rider was an Olympic kilometre champion and world kilometre champion. And the other rider in fourth place was eight times world sprint champion. His name Morillon. And I beat those yeah. guys to win that race. Yeah. I was wearing my national champion's jersey, but the federation wasn't happy about it, about me going there. But, yeah. Jersey. You talked a little bit about the six days. They were very different, the six days then. I know Jonathan, you know, he's only done a couple. Where they've got the cabins and everything, the, the actual riders used to stay at the track virtually all the time, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And so you did that? You slept at the track? Oh. and Well, and what happened is, is that, let me just, so if we go to that winter, which was 74, 75. Then I went on to Barbados. I came back and I told you what happened at the national championship, how I crashed and all that. Mm. I was a little bit down with it all, all of that later on in August. So then um, what I did then was, you know, I got the, because I wasn't working anymore. I'd, the time I went to Belgium, I had to decide at that point, because I'd been British champion twice, but I thought, am I going to be good enough to make a living at this? And so I had to go there to find out, really. And I had two weeks holiday from work. And I decided at that point, either I'm going to be an electrician or I'm going to be a cyclist. Yeah. And I never, went, I never went back to work, to tell you the truth. I never went back. So the next winter, after the nationals and so forth, coming into September now was the London Sixth Day. And I got a job working at the track with the person who was doing the advertising. It's a guy, he's passed away the other year. His name is Keith Robbins. He had a business called BK Products and he did the advertising on the side of the track. Yeah. I was working with him and what happens, um, um, I worked and there was another fellow working with him and this guy, he was selling a car and he needed a bike. So what happened was I fixed up this bike. I used to fix bikes up and things and sell them to people and all that. And I fixed up this bike. And he wanted 140 pounds for the car. So I sold him the bike for 70 and paid him 70 cash and got the car. <laughs> I got the car on the Friday and the Saturday, I had a little practice in the car. And Sunday, I got this car and I drove up Edgware Road and I picked up Gary Wiggins, who was staying with Bradley's mum at the time, Linda. This was before, long before Bradley was ever thought of. Yeah. And we, I drove them up to Wolverhampton and we went and rode a race up there. A week later, I took this car and went to Belgium with all my wheels and everything. Wow. So I went to Belgium 
this was the second time that Oscar had asked me to come back, and I did. And I stayed at the butcher's shop again. That's anyway, I wasn't in my best shape, to be honest with you. And the first race I rode, I came fifth. And it wasn't enough for me. And I thought, if I don't pull my finger out here, I'm going to run out of money. Mm. So I devised a training program and I get up and I had to train on the track. In, no, I train on the road in the morning and then in the afternoons I go to the track because I, I live within walking distance of where the sport palace is in Ghent. Yeah. I did this for a couple of weeks and then I won the one, started winning races. And come to the sixth day, Oscar put me with a Dutch rider in the sixth day in Ghent. And you know what? I've seen pictures recently. Bradley Wiggins sent me some pictures that somebody he got from this sixth day. Anyway, the long and the short of it is in this sixth day, this is my first ever sixth day, going into the final, we were leading with two laps in front of the Belgian champions, which was a guy called Frank Hoster and Ferdi van den Outen. We were leading them by two laps. In other words, it was virtually, with an hour to go, with two laps lead, it was virtually impossible. But my partner, he, so he was a Dutchman. I think, well, I know. I didn't get anything, but he sold the race. We came to right. They were able to take three laps on us in one hour. It was supposed to be. They, we weren't due to, we weren't supposed to win. We were, but, you know. <sighs> it was like that, those six-day racing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But that was my first experience. Then I also, that winter, 1975, Oscar Day, I rode with the pros Christmas Day in the six, in the in the race that I'd gone to watch the year before. I was riding in the race with Merckx and Devlamik wow. and all of these guys with the with American rider Roger Young. Our name was on the, was on the poster. That's how I came to come into the into the six. I mean, from be honest with you, from and from that time onwards. From the time I went to Belgium that year, that was 75. I actually did come back to the UK in early 76 because it was an embarrassment to the... There was an article in the Times newspaper. I mean, there was a British team in that game six day, but they were nowhere. They were nowhere. So you were embarrassing them. You know, and it was a bit of an embarrassment. The fact is that I wasn't even in the squad, you know. Never mind whether I was going to the Olympics. I just wasn't even in the squad. And there was guys in that squad. I don't think they'd even won a race. Anyway, they took me back in. But, you know, I gave it my best. But I didn't think that I was, it was going to work. But I felt, you have to try. So I did. But um, it wasn't to be. And so when they made the selection, the day after that, I think I rode at Paddington on the Sunday. And I, I won the 20k the devil and second in the sprint jeff cook won the sprint and i won 56 pounds that day and i took that money and i went to belgium with it the next day and i don't think i hardly ever the only time i came back here to ride in this country after that was when i was a pro in the london sixth day or things like that i never or, or the kellogg's races or i never raced i just never bothered with racing in the uk Maurice, you'd won all these British titles, three British titles, is that right? Yeah. And you weren't selected no. for, the, for the Olympics no. in 76? No, no, no. I wanted to go there because my reasoning was if I could get a good result, that meant I could come into Because the Olympics was only open to amateurs, not pros. Yeah, yeah. And so 
I wanted the results so that I could come in to the pros on a on a higher step up. Yeah, but I, I wasn't able to do that. It was hard to come in, but I yeah, I did in the end. I did. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Difficult for you. Well, what would you yeah. say to them now if you know if you had the chance to speak to those selectors? What would I say? Well, I, I, you know what you have to see, and that we that is a different um. There were different times, Anne, and and people. Yeah. You know, I don't have no, I don't have no real regrets or anything about it. You know, I don't have no, I don't have no anger towards these people in any way or form because I got to where I wanted to go, and you know, if up till now, Anne, my life isn't so bad. You know. Mm. See, my life's not so bad. Good. And I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> You are doing okay, and you've worked really hard to get there. One thing I will ask, Maurice, mm. what advice would you give somebody now trying to get into cycling, particularly as you've talked about earlier, that it's not as diverse as it should be? So not only to somebody get, trying to get into cycling, but also to the powers that be in cycling, what advice would you well, I think things are different now, and I, I mean, I can only speak from the experience of, of my own son, there, Jermaine. Yeah. I think your I think your son John will will say. I mean, I wasn't there with him all the time, but I don't think he had the hindrance that I had. I don't think so at all. I think that um, I think that if you have the ability, I think you can. You know, mm. I think you can do it if you wanted to. The trouble is, I think. With maybe, I think the trouble is, is that there's youngsters out there who, again, you say, please, my own son, Jermaine. Well, now, if the fact, if supposing his father wasn't a cyclist, and that, how would he, what, how would he know to get into involved with cycling? Yeah, exactly. Grassroots level, because there are there, how many black riders are there? sort of top-level funding with British Cycling? No. No. No, not many. But then you know, the other side of it is is that if you're a talented athlete and maybe you could be good at football, well, football brings in a lot more money than cycling, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So there's that to it as well. You've got to look at it from that point of view. Yeah, you know? true. Yeah. So, but the cycling, you know, you look at you look at the African nations now. You know, you've got the Eritrea. You know, where they are doing very well. You know, very very well. And I think that the success is from from black riders will be coming from there. And whether or not they will become a role model to certain riders here that maybe look at them and say, well, you know what, if they can do it, so can I. Mm. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Definitely. Maybe, but it's, it's good for the sport. I think everyone acknowledges that. I've heard people say that even in Belgium and everywhere else that, you know, the fact that it's making the sport, the sport more international, you know, which is good. It's only, it's positive. It's a positive move. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Thank you, Maurice. Okay. I hope we haven't uh, kept you away from your wine, Maurice. No, no, no. I'm all right. I wouldn't have had another glass. One glass is enough for me in the evening, but then, you know. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very, very much, Maurice. Pleasure. 
British cycling is different now and both our sons, Jermaine and Jonathan, were on the academy together, becoming good friends and even housemates. But there is still a long, long way to go. Once again, thank you to Maurice and to you, our listeners. We really do hope that you enjoy the show and appreciate all the feedback. In fact, our next show will hopefully feature my father, whom several of you said you'd like to hear more from following Hillary's show. Just need to persuade him to actually allow me to record some of his many, many stories. Thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs>